Hey there, folks. Before the show today, I wanted to share a comedy podcast called Ted Talks Too Much, hosted by Ted Moss. Ted was actually a guest on The Walk Show back in 2020, and Ted is still sharing laughs and stories with a wide variety of stand-up comics on his show. Ted himself has been a stand-up comic for many years, and he brings his sharp wit and humor to every episode. His guests are always hilarious and have funny stories and takes on everyday life. If you're looking for a laugh or an escape from the serious parts of this world, you should check out Ted Talks Too Much, which can be found on all podcast apps, including Apple and Spotify. This week, we're exploring the walk of life with lifelong leader, coach, and author of the book, You Got This, Life Lessons to Leadership, Stephanie Lynn Salick. Stephanie talks about her upbringing and how the challenges she faced drove her into leadership at an early age. No matter the situation, Stephanie has always found herself volunteering to help lead others. We cover some of the central ideas from her book and coaching practice and how she utilizes those in everyday life. Stephanie is incredibly thoughtful, and I'm delighted I had a chance to talk to her about her work, and I'm eager to share that conversation with you all. As always, thank you to Misha Zarens for the music in today's show. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast, Stephanie Lynn Salick. How are you doing this evening? I am doing great. How are you, Walker? I'm good. Thank you. Um, so, Stephanie, you have a, a book uh, called You Got This, Life Lessons to Leadership, uh, and then you also have some coaching services that you offer. Um, I want to talk about your book and your work, but I, I really want to start a little bit with just you. Um, where where are you from? How, where did you grow up? How did how was your childhood? <laughs> well, that's a good place to go because that's yeah. kind of how this all kind of came to be. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, I am a Minnesotan, um, but I left when I turned eighteen. <laughs> so <laughs> um, followed, you know wanted to get out of the small town, um, followed my brother who had taken the lead and came out here to California. So I grew up in Southern Minnesota and then moved out to the LA area to go to college at um, Cal Lutheran University. And then followed my brother again because California is, you know, expensive. And when you're a young, early twenties, it's hard to live somewhere. So we uh, moved in and I moved down to San Diego to be with him. And so now I reside in San Diego. Um, been here for quite some time and I've moved, I've been in all different parts as San Diego is quite large. I've been in almost everywhere, but South San Diego. So right now I'm in East San Diego. Um, but yeah, so growing up, um, it's, I have, uh, my parents divorced when I was young. Um, I was two, I don't remember them ever being together. Um, but they both, um, were around, you know, I, lived with my mom most of the time, but my dad was around, attended all the events. Um, really, ultimately, I kind of talk about this in my book too. You know, he was really my rock. I think without him, um, I would definitely not be where I am here today. Um, and I have an older brother. It's just my brother and I. And, you know, really growing up, I, oddly enough, <laughs> my aunt had a neighbor. Um, so smaller towns, right? Everybody kind of knows everything, everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, called me shadow. Okay. Those words kind of stick with you. Mm. When you're young, right? Like shadow, like what? And, and I did, I lived in my brother's shadow for years. I even had a teacher that called me Josh 
instead of <laughs> Stephanie because wow. he was, you know, the star athlete. Everybody knew him, uh, you know, that and that that teacher was a football coach. So let's just be honest, you know, he sure no, like it was he, you know, breathed everything there. Um, and so at the time, you know, I, I just I was living life. I mean, I didn't when you're when you're young, you don't know what you're experiencing. Mm. You you feel right like you feel like you might feel off one day you're gonna feel sad you you have feelings and you have understanding but and i knew you know my mom we were low income we lived in low income housing and i i i knew that that you know that was obvious we were i was different but i didn't ultimately i didn't want for anything you know i had both parents but i knew that there was something different about the dynamic of my life and my my mom particularly you know we we moved quite a few times and i didn't know her other than for a period of time she did daycare and and you know took care of children oddly enough um i didn't she didn't hold jobs very long um you know there wasn't a lot going on and so it my childhood you know going the long-winded way you know to kind of tell you about you know that's how looking back now all of those things when you realize as an adult what i went through how i was dragged along with my mom and this i had a mom who she was there again i had food i had roof i can't complain there's people who had so much worse however that trauma of having some not real stability 24 7 has was carried with me and not until i got older um and you know went through a series of i don't know who i am i don't know where i'm going i know i don't want to be here this doesn't feel right but then finally getting to a point where i i know i meant for more and i know i've carried weight all this life and oh my gosh it's because of the stuff i had to carry when i was younger she wasn't really there she was there, but now looking back, it's like I was the person in the I was the adult in the room 90% of the time when I was with my mom. Right. And yeah. so again, unpacking a lot there. Um, no, yeah, it's, but, it's good. But that's kind of how I, you know, as I've grown and now that I've done the work and now I have a way to do the work um, for others, um, I you kind of have to start. You have to unpack all of those things this isn't new people know this yeah right, right this isn't revolutionary but it is to the somebody like me who was doing the supposed to's um even up until about six years ago i was still taking care of my mom wow. i was rescuing her when she needed a place to live when she needed money when she you know all these things came up when she couldn't find a job when it was the job's fault that she left, you know, right. but you believe that stuff that you don't know any different until you awaken to what those things that are happening to you. Um, and yeah, and I, and I talk about in my book, the moment, um, you know, working for the current company that I'm at where I had this facade, I, and I still, I am, I am a positive person. I'm a happy person. I, it is who I am. I, I light up, I smile. Like so many times people are like, why are you smiling? I'm like, 
why do I have to, why should I scowl? I mean, yeah. I do have, you know, the lines in my forehead, so I do scowl, but, <laughs> um, but somebody at work, it, it kind of knocked me out. Um, I was walking to a meeting. Um, I've been a project manager, you know, now for over 10 years, but when I was, I'm a manager now, a senior manager, um, and for a project management office. But when I was project managing, you know, I was walking to a meeting one day and I had a, a, a employee, like just some, I don't even remember who it was specifically. I just remember they came up to me as I was walking to my next meeting and they go, Stephanie, are you okay? Hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, like nothing in me. And they're like, well, you, you're just kind of walking with your head down and you're, you know, just kind of walking. And it's like, oh, I am. Well, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's great. And that just kind of led me to like, whoa, I don't have a facade anymore. All this heaviness of the crap of my mom and carrying her is finally caught up to me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, and it, that kicked off my journey to then where I got to my book and coaching and the things that I'm doing today, because it, it made me realize I'm not, it, it's not okay to just cover it up anymore. Um, you know, we, we all need to deal with things. So, yeah, no, I think that's, that's really awesome. And I, I, um, it's, it's interesting to hear that story and it it makes me think, it makes me think of a few things. One, not really related to exactly (laughs) the larger (laughs) point. My mom grew up in Southern Iowa and when she was 18, she fled to Hawaii instantly. So part of it's probably the small town, but part of it is that bitter cold yes. <laughs> that occupies <laughs> Iowa and Minnesota that I think drives people to the beaches. Yes. Um, <laughs> I actually was going to go to Hawaii Pacific University, oh, and, nice. <laughs> but then decided that was a little too far. California was far enough. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, and then and then the other thing you mentioned, you know, about how as a child, you, you know, you're going through it, but you don't understand it in the way that you would as an adult or maybe as a, a you know, an observer might see it and, and think about it. I just, I saw something online just the other day about, about growing up with an addict. And it was that same kind of thing where it's like, this person's dad was an addict and they were like, we would go to his friend's houses and they would go in a back room and I wasn't allowed to join, but I don't know what they're doing. They're just doing adult things. Right. And like mm-hmm. stuff feels off, but I don't know why. So I just think that's what life is like, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, though, how even though in the moment there's no um, objective awareness of what's happening, it is completely molding and shaping the individual in ways that, you know, will have impacts far later. So, you know, you talked about getting to a point where you kind of realized that you needed to unpack some things mentally and kind of deal maybe more so emotionally with Mm -hmm. some of the stuff from your past. And then that led you to where you are now. But I, I would have to imagine that a lot of the times where you're the adult in the room, as you described it, even as a kid, that a lot of those lessons translate into the leadership lessons that you live by today. Is that is that an accurate statement? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I started to unpack and look back at just all of the, the ways that I kind of just stepped up in everything. Like I, I knew, you know, I think once I hit, you know, probably middle school is when I kind of, you really start to kind of understand like, okay, I have a different dynamic. I have a different home life than most of these people. I knew at that point 
that I had to, I had to be the one to structure myself. I had to know when I needed to be places. I had to understand. I had to pay attention to the coaches. I had to pay attention to the teachers. I had to be the one that, okay, I have to make sure that this, you know, document is signed. And quite honestly, I signed most of them myself. Mm, You know, I learned like, oh, I'm going to go on this field trip. I need to do this for school. Oh, this is how, oh, this is how she signs her name. Like Mm. I could sign it like no problem. (laughs) Just, I had to be the one that, you know, so from, from the school age stuff, you know, I had to know, and I, I had to be the one that told my, I remember numerous times where I would tell my coaches, like, just go home. Like, I'm okay here by myself. Like, just, you don't need to stay with me. Cause I know mm. my mom's not going to be here for a long time. They mm. never left me that, you know, that they're not supposed to either. Right. But they never did leave me, but you know, it, it was from things like that, just knowing knowing myself, knowing my family dynamic and knowing that, you know, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have to do this stuff. I'm going to have to know when things are happening. And then what that translated to, to your point of like leadership is when I look back, even in elementary school, I wanted to help others. Mm. Like it was like, if you really want to get to the root of it, it's almost like I wasn't getting feeling like I was getting taken, taken care of. So I wanted to help take care of others. And so I remember always volunteering to Mm -hmm. like from, I think I was maybe in third grade, I helped the kindergartens read. There was like a program where you could like go for one hour a week or something and go help the kindergartners read. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember doing stuff like that. And then I was involved in any leadership. You know, I was on student council. I was on business professionals of America. I was in, I was in a sport or I started working at 14 um, because I, I think it was probably twofold. Number one, like I knew I needed to pave my own way. I needed to have my own money. I needed to know, do things. And then it was also, I didn't want to be home. Right. So I'm going to do everything in my power so that I don't have to be at the house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, you know, did all those things and I volunteered, but then you look back and that's what paved me like without, I always had it in me though. Like nobody taught me to right. be that leader, to go to the front of the class that was, I was born with that. Ultimately I was born with that. I was given the tools by being the harsh word, but neglected, you know, I was, that fueled me into using that tool that I was born with, you know, to always want to be forward. Um, but yeah, ultimately those, those things led to, like I said, you know, getting to the, be the leader leadership position that I'm in today. Yeah. So this is kind of, I feel like this is kind of an unfair question. So (laughs) if so, apologies and we don't have to, Mm -hmm. because I'm not trying to, I don't, I'm not trying to get you to pass judgment on others. And I also understand that it's yourself anyway, now that I've given that big preamble. So there's, there's the story that, well, your story is unique to you, but the set of circumstances is not, you're not the only person that's had those set of circumstances, right? And so somehow your response to that ultimately is the things that you've just described, right? Like Mm -hmm. you decide you need to take care of yourself. You decide to to start working. You decide to involve yourself in activities to put yourself in a place where you're more comfortable. Mm -hmm. But that's not always the response that a person has in those circumstances, Mm -hmm. right? And again, I don't mean it like they're worse people or they're anything. It's not about judging. 
But do you have, and this is why it's unfair because it's a very, very loaded question, but do you have any insight as to why? Is there any thought you have as to what allows you to have that path and someone else not? And I don't, again, I hope that comes out. No, absolutely. (laughs) No, because I, again, you, you don't want to judge others, but there are times that I see people, you know, struggle and you're like, why are you allowing yourself to stay in that? Like, there is, I mean, just take my mom, for instance, I'm going to judge her all day long. because She's my mom. Um, (laughs) She's the only person I'm going to pass that judgment on. Right. Sure. Um, how, how do I, I get to your point. Like I didn't have her as a tool. Like she, I, I didn't learn anything about work or ethic, you know, doing ethics in work and working hard from her. Um, and, and how every time I saw her, I'm like, why can't you just go work at McDonald's? Right. Like I say this all the time. If something happened to my job, I don't care if I have money in the bank, Jack in the box is hiring. Right. I'm going to go next door and I'm going to work at Jack in the box until I find something different. Like there, yeah. then nothing's beneath. I'm not too above doing anything, but for some reason in my mom's head, she, she was too above working at something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that again, digressing. No, what I, I think really it was for me is uh, number one, you, I think you have to have some sort of a mentor. Mm. Um, and while my dad, I did have my dad, he, you know, he was a big part of that. We saw him, you know, the 50, you know, every other weekend and holidays and, uh, you know, summer kind of a thing. And he yep. did attend things and was around. So it wasn't full-time, but I did have him as a, a stable person. But more importantly, I had teachers that mm. I I know saw the struggle that I did. Um, and then there was um, most specifically, I would, so because we were low income, I didn't just get everything for free at school. I had to do like work hours. Um, so in high school, because I was also in sports, I worked in the athletic office. Uh-huh. And the thing that one thing that stands out is that I had to take in people's checks, you know, because you still had to pay in, in public school. You still have to pay to help subsidize things for sports. Yep. And I remember looking through all the stuff one day and seeing my mom's return checks but I worked in this office and not once did the secretary or um, I forget what their titles are, the like head of sports athletic department, whatever their name is in high school, um, never judged me, never brought it up. Didn't treat me any different than anybody else. Mm. They encouraged me, you know, to continue doing the sports, you know, um, I was friends with one of their daughters and when I was over at their house that, you know, like nobody, you know, none of those folks that knew we didn't have money, they didn't deny me from going, even though she wasn't really paying, they would still let me do the things. Um, and again, I was working there too. So it wasn't like it was all free, but it's still, and there's a lot of people that don't have that person. They don't have that one person that believed in them, that one person you know, I, I've seen people where, you know, they're definitely in the same situation and, you know, just, they don't, there's nowhere around them and there's no one to show them that there are places that they could go to get that mentorship or, you know, you know, unfortunately you see so many school districts that are, the teachers are at their wits end these days. Um, I think it's more so hard these days, you know, than it was 
back in my day. Um, <laughs> but, well, then it was uphill both ways with snow, so oh, much tougher. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think it's it's you definitely have to have at least one person in your life or something that's imprinted in you. I don't think it has to be a long-term person. Like I said, for me, it was knowing, like, I specifically remember, like, looking at those checks and going, they know this. Like, right. I was smart enough in high school to know, like, they know this, but they aren't treating me or doing anything differently for me. Um, so, yeah, that mentor, that mentor, I think, is huge. Yeah, I think that's so fascinating to hear you say that. So I was, I interviewed a guy, I mean, it's probably a year and a half ago now, who, um, at the time, at least, was running a uh, wilderness retreat, which is hmm. um, basically, like, troubled teens and young adults yeah. um, that are in need of, you know, mental health care and kind of thing. But maybe it's a, a more severe case. They go to these wilderness retreats and it's like, a, I'm going to, I'm going to misrepresent some of the details here. So forgive me, but we'll call it a few months, several weeks. I don't know exactly the time frame, but basically they go and they're out in the wilderness and they're out with like a, a guide that's it's a small group of kids and the guide and they hike for a few days and then they camp. And then at the camp, there's a psychologist and stuff that are there to, to work with the kids and then they go back out and do it again and a lot of it is just trying to help put the kids in situations that maybe are new maybe you're uncomfortable and then help them kind of tear down some of their assumptions right mm -hmm. and so i said to uh to this individual i said um do you think that that's the um most important thing in in changing or growing uh is being uncomfortable right is putting mm -hmm. because you, you see that all the time the memes that are like you know here's here's the line and that's where your comfort is and life is on the other side of it or something yeah, right yeah and and so i asked him if if he thought that was true and he said you know there's probably some truth to that but i think the other thing that doesn't get mentioned enough is that you also need a mentor like every time he's like every time in my own life i've ever overcome anything it was with a mentor there to guide me and to your point it doesn't mean that it's someone that's there for 30 years negotiating every problem you face with you or something right but even if it's just for for a moment in time to help you gain some clarity or perspective or whatever it is you need um so it's just yeah it's very interesting to hear you reiterate that exact same point um and i'm also curious then because mentorship i think is it's an interesting thing because i guess how in your view how does a person get a mentor because it seems like it comes from kind of a natural mm -hmm. relationship, but not everyone has that opportunity either. So yeah. what are the ways to get a mentor? Yeah, it's a really great question. Um, because I think just there, there are still, I think there's many ways to get a mentor. You definitely can find, you know, somebody that, you know, you've clicked with like, you know, people at school or, you know, somebody that just happens to come in your life. I mean, there's been many people in my life that have come and gone. And, you know, mm -hmm. my, my manager at the bagel shop I worked at in college, you know, like I, she was a wonderful person. And, you know, she, at, for that time, she was a mentor. She was like a, you know, a mom, she guided me. She gave me my first supervisor position at 18 years old, mm -hmm. you know, like, so um, she saw the potential in me and kind of guided me in that way. But then you have so you, those people by chance. Um, and then I what I most re more recently, 
it's those mentors that you choose. Um, so I have a coach who I would consider a mentor mm -hmm. and yes, I pay her, yep. right? Like, so I'm paying her, but before I paid her, I was at events where she was, I got a benefit from her by the content that she had at those events, those things that she had, I was at a retreat where she attended. Um, so I, I got information from her to a point where I was like, I need more of her because what she's given me, I need more. And so, yes, I've paid for her. So now I consider her my coach, my mentor. Yes. This, you could go different ways on what's really a coach versus what's really a mentor, but you know, I kind of interchange yeah. know, those words, um, when it comes yeah. to, you know, growth. Right. Um, and then the other piece, like within organizations, and I have seen this more and more, and I love it, is just reaching out and asking. When you see somebody, um, there's been a few people now where I just, hey, you know, I we've been on a few calls together. I don't really know what you do or who you are, but I'd love to get to know you more. Mm. Um, one, one gentleman, I actually... Um, you know, because they tagged the organization online, I was like, hey, you were in my meetings and I'm, now I'm following you. You have like amazing content. Can we have a few a conversation? I want to know. And I, what I did with them is I wanted to know how they got involved in the organizations that they were involved in outside of work. Right. I just happened to find them on LinkedIn. And so, but I'm people have reached out to me like, hey, can we connect for 30 minutes? And then some of those we've only talked for 30 minutes to an hour and they've never come back to me. A um, couple I've done two or three meetings with, and then there's some that I've been talking to for a year more mm. um, where we've just, when they need me or when they want to talk through something, get advice, or maybe they just need somebody to chat with, you know, there's, then they reach out to me. And so having the courage, if you see someone to reach out to them respectfully, Right. Like, and especially yeah. if you're not doing it within an organization, within an organization, hopefully you have a safe space. Like it's a safe space to start, right? That, that leader that you want to connect with or that other person in the organization that you want to connect with, you know, it's a little bit safer, but if you're going to do that online, you want to make sure that you're very respectful of that person. Cause maybe that's not their jam. Right. You know, even if they have an online presence, Maybe they don't want to do one-on-one. -on -one. So if you're reaching out for that, you want you want to have the courage to reach out because if you feel like you connect with them and what they're saying, um, so have that courage, um, but then be respectful of, you know, hey, is there any way we could connect, you know, whatever. And hopefully yeah. they don't go, yeah, for $700, I'll talk to you. you know? <laughs> no, that's an excellent point that you bring up though. You know, and I love that you shared that you work with a coach. I talk about it a lot. I've worked with a coach for a couple of years, uh, over a couple of years now. Um, and I love it. The, the value in it is tremendous. And, and there is, for some reason there, there's at least sometimes this kind of stigma about like, oh, well, if you're paying them, then it's not a genuine relationship. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I could not disagree more. I've paid my coach the whole time. Um, it turns out she also likes roofs and food. So it matters to her to make a living, right? So <laughs> she's not swindling anyone <laughs> um right but 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 the value of that relationship is i mean i can't i i couldn't put a value on it mm -hmm. um and it and and it's actually it's not because i pay but it's because i pay the context of our relationship is pretty clear 
right? Mm -hmm. I'm the client. She's the coach. I'm seeking assistance, right? With her expertise. And so when we talk, uh, this will sound incredibly selfish, but it's because of the type of relationship it is. We only talk about me, right? Mm -hmm. Now, when I talk to my friends, we talk about each other, which is normal and I want. So I'm not advocating that <laughs> every conversation I have should be about me. Um, right. But with the coach, it is. And and the, 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 the depths that you can go to in your own thoughts when you don't have to veer off constantly to like, well, how was your day? Well, what did your, what was your work day like or whatever? Right. It, it's crazy. It's crazy how valuable it is. Um, and then the next, the other thing I wanted to touch on was the very last thing you said, which was hopefully they don't say it's $700 to, to, to do it. So I was really, really skeptical of coaching for a long time because I thought that that was the only way it went was mm -hmm. if you're going to work with someone, you better, you better get your checkbook out right mm -hmm. now. Again, we are talking about paying, but there are tons of different coaches with tons of different levels. And to be clear, I also don't mean to disparage coaches that do charge a lot because mm -hmm. maybe they have a client base that that makes sense for, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a high-powered executive, so I don't need <laughs> high-powered right. executive coaching, right? right. Um, nor can I afford it. But <laughs> yeah. but it, my point is just don't be scared by yeah. those things. I mean, yes. it's kind of like I used to think that meditation was you had to sit on a pillow in this perfect stance, <laughs> right? like hover <laughs> above it and have no thought for 30 okay. minutes. And I was like, I am so far from that. I'm right. not even going to try. And then luckily I was able to shed that and I did start trying. And it turns out I can meditate because it turns out that the stereotype cliche is not the only way that it happens. Um, so same thing with coaching. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, I have meandered for quite some time and we have not even talked about your book yet. So okay. I... <laughs> we have indirectly. We have yes. indirectly yes, in a lot this of ways. Is true. <laughs> um, well, one thing I do talk about in the book is meditation. Um, mm. It is something that um, I have also very similar journey through meditation of, I can't, you know, put my fingers up and, <laughs> right. you know, ohm and just yes. sitting there chanting for hours and all this stuff. And while I am spiritual, I actually am a Reiki healer um, awesome. as well. So I'm certified Reiki. I have actually back behind me. I know we're not, in, you know, but you know, I have crystals and sage and um, you know, all the things that um, help ground me and because I've now learned that it grounds me. And I've also learned, and the thing that I talk about in the book is same that it's like, you, you don't have to sit for 20 minutes putting on your favorite song, really immersing. This is my favorite thing. Mm. People don't think, know that they're even, in my opinion, meditating. Now you could go different schools of thought of meditation. Right. I guess you would say clearing your mind. That one of my favorite ways is we all do it while we're in our car. Our favorite song comes on. And the only thing that we're thinking about is the words to that song. And we're jamming out to it and we're bopping our head. And before we know it, we're at our destination. <laughs> Right. right. Because we've been so immersed in that song, our brain just shuts down and really focuses. And again, you might get to the destination and be like, oh, wow. And you're smiling. And you don't know why. And it's like, because you cleared your mind for a minute. Yeah. You meditated. You let things go. You released what you were holding. You were just being yourself for a moment. That's my most favorite thing. Like 
when you're having a bad day, go find your favorite song. Like, yeah, that's the easiest, in my opinion, that's your the easiest thing to do. Now, <clears throat> the other, you know, other way to clear your mind and make sure that you are you're centered for yourself, you know, then you get into like the guided meditations, and I lead those. Um, and precursor, maybe publishing some of those, but I, every, actually I started during the pandemic, um, mm. at our company, I started a monthly med or a weekly meditation Wednesday mornings. I run it. Whoever in the company wants to join. Sometimes it's four people. Sometimes it's 30 people. Um, and I just lead from the heart. I'll put some music on in the back. I will go through the body breathing exercises and the feedback that I get from those people for just breathing for five minutes, that's really all we're doing. We're just sitting, not doing anything else, maybe closing your eyes and just breathing for five minutes. Um, you know, it, it helps align us to get through the day. Uh, a few weeks ago, I had a moment where I had to remind myself that's what I needed. You know, we all, I've built this toolbox and even as a leader, sometimes I forget that toolbox is there. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I unfortunately let myself, I caught myself getting wrapped up in this whirlwind. And I actually, I've been back at the office a couple of days a week because that's what I needed for myself. Um, and I was like, what am I doing? And so I went outside, I didn't have a meeting. So I went outside, I went for a walk. I found a spot. So here in San Diego at our office, we have a um, parking structure and obviously nobody's here. The very top sun is, you know, there's no top, right? Mm. So I just sat in the sun and I, Found, took some breaths. I just put on a song, sat down, let the sun soak on me and to breathe for a few minutes so that I could come back and actually service the people, you know, my team and, and help and do the things that I did. And, it, and it's important for us as leaders to have those tools. And, and meditation is one thing in my book that I, you know, I do briefly talk about and encourage people to just getting their mindset right. That's a huge piece of it. And don't be afraid of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm from Southwest Missouri, uh, which is the Midwest, similar to Minnesota, but mm -hmm. I think maybe being a little bit farther South, maybe more the Bible belt, um, mm -hmm. than it is mm -hmm. there. Um, and, and I'm not going to go into some deep religious conversation, but the reason yeah. I bring it up is that I think that meditation oftentimes gets associated with like, like Eastern religion type stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and mm -hmm. stuff that's, that doesn't align with frankly, just Christianity, right. It's not yeah. the same thing. But the thing that I try and point to people constantly is that another form of meditation that you might be really comfortable with already, if meditation sounds too woo-woo or something, is prayer. Because yes. <laughs> it's yes. the same basic idea. Yes. <laughs> oh. It's crazy how similar these things are, yet yes. to talk to the people, it's like, no, no, totally different. <laughs> Again, you call it whatever. Call it right. an apple, call it an orange, call it you know whatever you want to call it. it you're sitting and you're focusing yes. on something you want. Like I would say prayer is probably one of the biggest forms of manifestation. Oh yeah. Right. Well, Cause you're, it's, you're praying yes. to someone. I want this. I need this. I have to have this. I need you to help me. I want this. And you're just putting in the universe, your wants and needs. It's the same thing as manifesting and meditating, but you're praying. And you're, you're not trying to control it, right? You're putting it out there for, Please allow this to happen. Show yeah. me what I need to do to help facilitate this, not yes. give it to me. It's mine, right? Yeah. Like there's not this, this clutching of it. Mm -hmm. um, 
and yeah, I'm glad no. you brought that up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just think it's. I just like to try and connect these ideas that, again, maybe on their face are like, well, that's those things aren't similar, and it's like it's it's the ultimate cliche. Uh, mm-hmm. I think at this point, especially with the social media age we live in, to say that we're all so much more alike than we are different. But I can assure you, after the 150 interviews or whatever I've done on this show alone, it's true. <laughs> it's so true. Even if your religions are different. The things that were never, the taboo things, like, no, you're still more similar. Sorry. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it is quite interesting. And I did grow up Catholic. And yeah. I, I will go back to having that as a core, um, um, I don't know, core thing. I can't think of the word at the top of my head. But having that as part of my core, I guess, would be the better way to say it. Um, when I first did move out to California, going to church is what kept me grounded because mm. I didn't know anything else. I But I knew that if I went to mass, I was going, like, I knew what to expect. Right. I knew what was going to happen. I knew I could count on, even though I didn't know anybody there at the time. Um, but then I led Sunday school for a while because, again, there goes some leadership stuff that just kind of yeah. happened. <laughs> I didn't know anybody there, but I was like, I want to teach the kids. Why not? <laughs> Miss Stephanie... <laughs> Why do I have to learn about Jesus? <laughs> uh, says the nineteen-year-old. I because uh, right. mommy said so. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just wanted responsibility, kids. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so that grounded me. But then, as I was awakened, uh, you know, not to get super religious here, to the Catholic right. Church, but learning that, like. Wait, the things that they were teaching me to going back to the same point, like I, I was, I had learned all these practices of prayer and all of that, but yet you don't want, like my mom, when I told her, like I did tarot, you know, <gasps> how dare you have a tarot card in your house? Like uh, you sacrilegious, right? Like to have tarot, but it's the same thing as a prayer book. Like I'm just right. flipping to, instead of, flipping to the scripture i'm pulling the scripture that i want to hear tonight right you know it's just flipping that mindset and yeah i left the church behind um i'm you know sure. uh, but I, because i found the other tools that have kept me grounded um and make me feel more whole um, yeah. than that did so yeah So in, in looking at your book, you know, uh, just on the Amazon page, even it mentions that there's a few different topics that you kind of cover. And so I just kind of wanted to, to touch on those and, and see kind of get your input on some of those, I guess. Yeah. Um, so the very first one is is creating a brag sheet. And this is something that I see referenced on, you know, different pages of yours, not just on the, the book or anything. Yeah. What is a brag sheet? Yeah. So it's creating a sheet of, I mean, bragging about yourself. Well, just that's the, in the simplest form, it's formulating a way to look at all of the things that you've done in your life so that you can see 
how great you are really right like <laughs> so going back to your coaching right is like yeah. you, you need something you you need to spend the time the the thing that i've learned over time right is i had to go back i had to go back and i had to look like how did i get here where do but but more so how do i know what i want to do and the way that it was formulated for me is i just started writing down after doing all this research and this was before i hired a coach because like you, I was like, I'm not spending the money. I don't need this person if I have to pay them. Like originally, like that was my mindset because I didn't nope. know what I didn't know. Um, and so I just, I had one day just started, like I'd read so many different things and I'm like, you know what? I just need to write down what I've done and where I've been. And so I wrote down everything from what I talked about earlier, like mentoring the kid, what I remembered as far back, as far as I could remember, you know, I, I, volunteered to mentor the read with the kids when I was in elementary school. I, um, you know, I, I don't know, I could go through all kinds of different things, but just <laughs> really going through like, you know, being captain of my golf team, um, you know, like all the little things volunteering here and, and being here. And so the, the brag is, so I made an acronym out of it. Um, you know, my trademark is, you know, big events. So, just kind of to help your mind, frame your mind to think of the different things. So your bigger events are going to be those things that just pop out. You know, you, you those things that immediately come to mind. Maybe it's your wedding for some people, right? It's, you know, their weddings and their, um, your graduations and, you know, those big things. Um, then your R is your responsibilities given or taken. Mm. So did somebody offer you to be that supervisor? Or did you volunteer to be a supervisor? Um, and you want to do both, right? You don't want to just set on one mindset. But what are those responsibilities? And again, it can go back to being my mom chose me to take out the garbage. Reflipping that mindset. I didn't have to take out the garbage, but my mom had me take out the garbage while my sister did the dishes, you know, so right. you could go that far back. Um, and then the next one I have is actions. So the A is actions or inaction taken. So this one gets a little deeper, right? Um, where you obviously, you know, when you took that step forward, you know, you stepped to try a new position, right? You took the action to go apply to get a new position. But then what about that time you didn't take that position? The inaction, like that thing and that you might not have a lot of those, but we all have that thing that we didn't do. And we wonder what would have happened if we did it. Yeah or somebody told us not to do it. So we didn't do it, but we always regret that we should have done it. Um, so those things, we want to get all of those things down. And then most importantly, your grateful moment moments. What are you grateful that's happened to you in your life? Uh, you know, those things that again, did somebody tell you that that happened or do you just remember that those things are grateful? And this isn't something that you just sit down in an hour and write, right? Like, those things aren't just going to come to you, but they're going to come to you over time. And so I encourage people to, you know, maybe it's your journal. If you have a journal at night and you put it next to your bed. And so before night, every, you, you know, when you go to bed every night, maybe you write a few down. Maybe you, you know, people who are super techie and they have like a note app, right? <laughs> you put it on your note app when you think of it. <laughs> I do both. I still do both. I have notepad and I'm trying to do everything um, electronically doesn't always happen. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't come. But once you you you'll get to a point where you're like, okay, 
I think I'm, I think I have enough things written down. And so then what you do with your brag sheet is you analyze it really, um, is you go back and you look, and it depends on what your goal is. What is your goal? Is your goal to figure out why you're in the mindset that you're in? Is your goal to figure out who you are and what your job should be, like what path you should go down? Um, that's probably the most people that I've worked with is looking, you know, for their next career um, or, you know, finding who they are in this world is probably the people I work with most. Um, but, some, you know, maybe somebody just needs a mindset shift and they want to know why they are where they are. Um, and maybe they just, you know, somebody just uses it as a tool, right? This Because it's out there. Maybe they just have it because they want to have an inventory of what they're doing. Um, but really, I've used it most. Then you go back and you analyze it. Um, you analyze what did you do and where are the commonalities? I had one lady, you know, we looked back at things and everything that she brought up had a horse in it. And I was like, <laughs> then why aren't you still working with horses? <laughs> like, why did you leave that? And I mean, she had a valid excuse, like she had sure. moved and didn't, and I was like, well, then find something in that industry. And I, I think, you know, I think she works for like a fleet farm now where it's not directly, but she's working with the stuff that has to deal with the, you know, um, yeah, the yeah. animals and the livestock, but so you, but you, that's okay. Cause that's still in the field where she still deals with people who are around that. And so you want to, you, but she wouldn't know that if she wouldn't have taken the inventory instead, she was in this mindset of like, I don't know what I want to do. I've done this, I've done that. And I kind of liked it when I was a manager here and I kind of did this and it's like, okay, well, what industry? I don't know, you know, like right. so you have to take the time to really assess. So that's what the brag sheet is. It's um, helping you assess and move forward. Um, and, you know, you can do that alone because that's why I wrote the book because it's something simple you could do alone or you can, you know, hire someone like me to help you kind of analyze and go through and, and help you kind of pinpoint and find those pieces. I love it. Um, I, there's a couple of points that resonate with me. Um, the first one I'll touch on is just the idea of writing your thoughts down. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I've talked about journaling on this show many times, and uh, it, it's remarkable to me. You know, if I sit and think about something, I can get stuck in a thought loop where I just think the same thing literally over and over and over, uh, which <laughs> then leads to anxiety and crazy, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, but if I write it, like I've never been like, I've never done the Bart Simpson where you just write the same thing a hundred times. No. Yeah. Right. It, it's like by writing somehow it makes my brain go, okay, but then what would the next sentence be? Not let's write the same one again. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that the next sentence is always like <laughs> the magical answer to all of my problems or something, but mm -hmm. it at least moves me off of that one thought that was a loop. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think there is so much value in journaling and I, I love, mm -hmm. I mean, just like that lady you described where in her head, she's like, I don't know what I want to do. I feel so lost and confused. But then when she writes it out now, in this case with someone's help, but now we can identify this commonality of the horses and, you know, yep. so it's just so tremendous value there. And, and I, I, I love promoting that. And then the other thing, um, it's funny because in our society, well, I'm going to say this and it's because this is my own lived experience. So I'm going to say it like it's a broad thing, but it's, it's really just, just me <laughs> in our society. Um, no, me, I, if you asked me like, Hey, someone that you love is having a bad day. How do you talk to them? Mm -hmm. I definitely would not go to them and be like, why do you screw up things? Why do you cause, right? Like that would be insane. <laughs> Right. right. Like everyone would be like, you monster. Right. But when I made mistakes mm -hmm. or when I made choices 
that's the other thing is like, I used to think of mistakes as like accidents kind of, Mm -hmm. but I would do things that were definitely not an accident, but still were not in alignment with my ideal self, we'll say, Mm -hmm. right? And so then I would shame myself and go down this really dark path. Oh, yeah. Uh, I used to compare it, you know, you bring up Catholicism, I used to compare it to like in the movies, you see the priest like flogging himself over the shoulder, like, yeah, in my mind, that's what I'm doing to myself, right? And it wasn't until I started working with a coach that it was revealed to me that like, that's not uh, just a norm. That's not like the default state <laughs> that right. people have to occupy. I was just like, well, this is what everyone does, right? Yeah. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah. Um, and, and anyway, and so not only was I willing to shame myself, but I would have felt uh, guilty mm-hmm. to brag to myself about myself, mm-hmm. right? I would have felt yes. a sense of shame like what's wrong with you? Like, why are you doing that? But again, it's counterintuitive because if it was an external person, I would totally do that. I would, I would bring up stuff that maybe I wasn't even that impressed by just to try and make them feel better. So why wouldn't I offer myself that same grace and kindness? Right. Um, So I just, I I love that. That's, that that's what you lead with. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny. I actually was just at a women's conference, leadership conference and the women at my table, there was half of them that had this ideology that brag was a bad thing bragging was bad like we shouldn't have to brag Ah. and i had to sit back and just stay quiet and actually one of the ladies actually there's three of them that knew about my book and they just looked at me and i'm all no like that's their opinion if they don't want to brag they don't have to brag and then one of the ladies that got on stage i don't know if you've ever heard i plug her all the time arlen hamilton i am invested in her businesses if you look her up amazing black woman empowered like amazing things anyway she was one of the speakers and I was like doing goo goo gaga over it. And what does she talk about? Bragging about getting, you know, Janet Jackson's pickup because she raised so much money that, you know, she had so much money she could go do that. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you, women. She can brag, I can brag. <laughs> I love it. We can all brag. So we it. all have different. But to your point, it, you know, we have to be able to say it's not easy. It's not easy to say good things about, we're not taught, like you said, society isn't taught to say good things about yourself. We're taught to pick, pick ourselves apart. It's yeah. just out there. I mean, it's, I mean, all of us, no matter men, women, you know, whoever you are, you're taught to, oh, you don't look like that. Oh, you don't sound like that. You don't do that. You know, you're bad. So you're taught not to talk good about yourself. And so it's hard writing about yourself and writing things down. That's why I say it's not something you do in an hour. Right. You know, like it's something that has to be built up because you have to remind yourself that you were worthy of the, those great things that you did, you know? Right. So yeah, it's definitely writing, journaling, getting those things out. It's, it's a practice. It's something that takes time, but it definitely is something that helps your mindset. It shifts you, you know, it helps you get all those spirals. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It, and it's, yeah, it, I don't know. It, it, to me, that was probably my biggest, um, breakthrough personally that I had and how I just understood myself in the world was getting away from that negative self-talk. And it's, it's so interesting to me how in my, in my own life, how deeply ingrained that was. And I think, I don't think I'm alone in that. I think a lot of people are, are, are you know, kind of think that way. Um, so yeah, I just, I love that someone like yourself is out here advocating like, no, no, be nice to yourself. <laughs> it's that's actually normal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the next thing that, that it mentions um, as a topic you cover is, is just checking in. What would you describe that as? 
Um, it's, it's also along the lines, I know I, you know, one of the other things is meditation, but it's checking in with yourself and, and it's really, that one goes more along ego, mm. um, and making sure that you are not only checking in with yourself, um, you know, understanding, I'm trying to kind of formulate it better around <laughs> ego, but, um, understanding who you are. It's, mm. it, it just kind of follows in with the brag. It's more about understanding who you are to then be able to check in and know, like, am I treating people right? Am I being who I really am? Am I doing what I should be doing in this moment? Um, and really kind of leaving that ego at the door of it's, even though I'm, even though I'm saying me and all of these things, it's not about me. I'm leaving that stuff. I'm leaving that big, we all know people with big egos. I work with quite a few um, <laughs> in my day job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, you know, the the people who there's people who don't know that they have an ego. Right. And it's because they've never checked in to be like, oh, did that just sound right? Oh, that probably sounded bad. They just don't care. When right. you have that mindset, they just don't you've gotten and maybe they do care, but nobody's ever told them right. that they don't. So you want to always be able to come back and check in with yourself and yeah. In your ego. Yeah. It makes sense. So this is more related probably to the first point we were talking about with the brag thing, but mm-hmm. I'm, something that always interests me when it comes to conversation about leadership is, is the idea of accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, when I was talking about how I used to get, be in this cycle of this negative self-talk, part of it also though, was that I, which it sounds crazy now to say it, but I thought that by being abusive to myself, um, with how I talk to myself that I was being responsible because I was being honest about what mm-hmm. was going on. And so I thought I was holding myself accountable, mm-hmm. but it didn't actually lead to any changes. So it wasn't, right. it was a false sense of that. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious though, and not just in the context of, you know, a, a negative self-talk or something, but what does accountability mean to you? Like, what does it mean to hold someone accountable? What does it mean to be held accountable? Mm. Oh, that's a good one. Um, so I would say there's not enough accountability in today's society. I would love to see there be more, um, in people. Um, but for, to be, to be held accountable is to be willing to ask the questions of, did I do this right? Mm. Am I giving you what you need? Did I provide you what you need? Um, is this what you expected of me to, to be held account, like, and then be willing, if you don't ask the question, to be willing to hear the feedback that is being given. And I think too many people, they might hear you, but they don't listen mm. to what you say. Um, and I think that's, again, where ego kind of comes in. But um and, and accountability, like you said, it comes in many forms. It's holding yourself accountable. It's having somebody else hold you accountable. That's where our coaches and our mentors come in, right? They they push us and hold us accountable to do the, you know, the next best thing that, you know, they see for us. Like mm-hmm. they're holding us, having that mentor to push you forward. So having somebody to hold you accountable, but then, you know, having the respect around uh, whatever it is that you are doing um, and being willing to have somebody call you out. I guess would yeah. be the most simplistic say to, way to say that. I love that. I, and I love the idea of, of asking um, 
of seeking feedback. I mm-hmm. think that that's something that people are in many times offended to do. I had a, I was interviewed, this was years ago now, but I was applying or interviewing for a position and uh, the person interviewing me said, and I deal with, have dealt with clients and that sort of thing, you know, my whole life. And the person said, how do you know if you're um, doing a good job? Like, how do you know if you're delivering the customer service or the service mm-hmm. to the client that they want? And I said, I, I asked them mm-hmm. and he said, that's it. And I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm supposed to have like an acronym that I tell you or something. And he was just like, oh no, that's a great answer. It's just, you know, people often are afraid to just ask that. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that to tell that story as a self-congratulatory thing as much as just, yeah. it is something that, that I think is, is not, yeah, is not the first, the first go-to for people. Right. Um, and I you think don't have the there's yeah, and I think there's I, I've been humiliated plenty, so <laughs> I used to, I've done stand up comedy, so I've, I've definitely, yeah, I mean, in that you know, asking for that feedback is huge, and it's you know, also part of checking in and not only with yourself but with your team and as a leader, you're the people that you're around. Um, you know, I've unfortunately heard of quite a few leaders in our organization that have never had a one-on-one with their team member. Crazy. And to your point of, you know, the person asking you, like, how do you get feedback? Like, how do you know your team member is okay? Right. You didn't even ask them. Like, why did they leave the organization? Oh, because they never talked to you. Like, you gotta, you gotta reach out. You gotta ask. You have to have the courage. And especially in a leadership position, if you want to be a good leader, you have to be willing to ask the tough questions. You have to be willing, you have to be, I mean, the easy things, right? You have to be willing to just ask them how their day is. Right. You also have to be able to ask the tough question of, right. you know, like, why did you do that? Why, you know, why is this client messed up? You know, like, what did you do? Right. Um, but that's part of it. You have to be able to have that conversation. And that's, you know, all holding yourself accountable and it's checking in and um, being willing to do it all. So there's there's one final um, item that I wanted that I'm, I wanted to touch on here, and and, and it's intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, I am so bad at at just going with my intuition, and I want like everything to be a math problem. I'm not really great at math either, but <laughs> I think that that's how it's going to make the most sense is if I can like logic my way through it. But over and over again, especially with the help of my coach, it's revealed to me that uh, that's not always. It's not that it's not a viable approach, but it's just not the only approach, right? Mm-hmm. And so she really helps me lean into intuition. So can you talk about how intuition plays into leadership? Oh, it's huge. Um, and it's actually probably the biggest part of me. Um, and as I've continued to grow, and even after writing this book is really leaning into um, so your intuition to kind of answer your question on, you know, it, it's a, it really is a feeling and it's an understanding of self. Mm. And if you don't really know who you are at the core, if you've never written a brag sheet, you really can't lean into your intuition because you, you don't know what it is. You don't know who you are. You don't know what's there. You don't know what's guiding you. Um, it's much like, this is really random. I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but um, it's much like if you're, you know, maybe you're somebody who gravitates towards eating all the time and or you know maybe you're obese like whatever it might be and you don't know what full is because uh, you just eat all the time 
You don't right. know, you don't know what that feels like. You've never allowed yourself to feel full. You've never allowed yourself on the flip side. You've never allowed yourself to feel hungry because you're just constantly fueling yourself with this food and you're shoving things down, but you haven't taken the time to just check in with your body and be like, Oh, what's, what's that? What is that feeling? And so your intuition is huge in leadership and it, it kind of has two paths. One is it, it can allow you to step back because you focus more on like, okay, what's being said? I need to process this. I need to, how does this align with me? I'm not going to speak up. I'm not going to just jump in right now because I can, I need to process what's being said. I need to understand how it aligns, what it, what it means for me. But then on the flip side, once you really know your know your gut instincts and you know who you are, it allows you to take that leap and precisely say what you mean, what you need to do, what you know, what feedback there is there, because you know that you're right. You know that you know that topic, you know that item. And so as a leader, you have to be able to know when to step back, when to step forward. But if you don't know who you are and you don't know what that, you know, some people, it is a physical feeling. It's, you know, a tingling in your stomach, a tingling in your head, a, you know, a clenching of your stomach, like, oh, don't do that. Right. Like, right. <laughs> to me, that's my like, don't back off. Yeah. Like, don't do that. And sometimes it's a feeling. And sometimes it's just, again, you just kind of know because you've allowed yourself to process and understand who you are um, and get to that point. So, um, yeah, again, it, it intuition is huge. It's hard. It is hard to teach, though. Like you do have to spend time processing. So if you don't have an intuitive nature, which we don't all like, if you want to get more spiritual, you know, your human design and all those other things that you can get into to kind of learn if you're molded to that way. But once you've done your human design, in my opinion, you just kind of oh, that's why. Okay. That, that's why I have that, you know, like you just, right. just kind of affirms who you are um, and what you do. Um, but you can have, you know, you can take those things, but you, you just kind of know, you just have to know whether you know or not. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I, I, I love that. And I think, like I said, I think intuition is something that, um, is, um, <laughs> and maybe this is most things. For people who are already familiar with it, though, it's something that's a really powerful tool, right? It's not necessarily the thing that not every problem is a hammer or is a nail and it's not the only hammer kind of thing or whatever, right? But but for people who don't use it, I think, again, and I say this speaking from my own experience, there's a lot of skepticism about like, eh, just trust your gut. Like, what is that really, is that really valuable? And the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, it is very valuable. But I really like what you said about I think another way of saying what you were kind of honing in on is that like, you've got to, you've got to be, you've got to know yourself well enough to be able to separate the signal from the noise, right? Mm -hmm. Because otherwise it's all just noise and then it just feels confusing. And then it isn't really trustworthy because mm -hmm. you can't identify what to, <laughs> what to key in on. Mm -hmm. um, I've got, I've got one, one final question for you. Um, and that is, I, I read one time that, um, the true measure of leadership is how much an individual uh, influences things around them. Mm. So, so not necessarily whether or not they're the, the the manager or the director or the whatever title is, and maybe there's not a structural hierarchy. I mean, maybe there is, but that ultimately how much you influence things is the real measure of, of how much you're providing leadership in a scenario. Does that sound true to you? 
And if so, I mean, why, why not? What, what do you think about that? Mm. It's kind of tough because it depends on the context, but, okay. but in, in my opinion, yeah, you are, all of us have leadership qualities within them, with, within us. And I feel you could be a leader if it's just influencing one person to be better Mm. or one group to be better. If you're and not necessarily be better, maybe it's a change. Maybe it's a, you know, whatever the thing is, I don't, I don't discredit that person if they don't then go be big and influence more of, because maybe that's not their core competency. Like, Mm. um, you know, a teacher has classes that they influence year after year after year, but there's so many teachers we've never heard of, right? right? Like that doesn't mean that they're not any better than somebody who's now sitting on a stage somewhere. Sure. Um, so I truly believe like the leadership qualities are in all of us, right? We all have different leadership qualities, but somebody who I don't think you have to put somebody that's a leader in a box of, the value, their value is held based on how many people they're influencing. And I also, a leader does not have to have a title of leader to make them a leader. It, it can be, there are many leaders at the organ, our organization that they never want to be a manager. They don't want to, that's not their core competency, but they do have the power to influence decisions within their groups or the power to influence in a decision, you know, within a community of people within them, but they're not the actual, they don't want to be, they don't want to be up here. They just want to be able to provide that influence because they know that they're right. Or they know that, you know, this is going to be the best thing for that, whatever it may be. Right. Yeah. So leadership is not uh, synonymous with manager or coach, or it could be, but, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's not a hard, fast Mm -hmm. rule. Um, well, Stephanie, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you again. Your book is You Got This, Life Lessons to Leadership. Uh, I'll make sure and have a link in the show notes to the, the Amazon page for that. You also, though, like we, we've touched on, offer mentoring services, and you've got a, a link tree, so I'll make sure and have that so people can just get all of your, your content. But if someone's listening to this and they think, well, I think I'd like to work with Stephanie to help, you know, she can help me maybe, what's the best way for them to go about getting in contact with you? Uh, absolutely. So actually, right now, I think the best way is to find me on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I do have, you know, the link, the link tree that has all the different services that I offer. Um, but I also, I am kind of going back to um, our earlier conversation about working with a coach and money. I'm of the mindset that we have to be a fit to be a coach. So I offer a 15 minute intro. If you want to talk to me, you think that you want to work with me, let's, let's make sure that we're a fit before you pay me anything. Um, you know, so I, uh, hit me up. I am, you know, respectfully hit, hit me up <laughs> um, <laughs> on, <laughs> on LinkedIn. Um, also my Instagram, Stephanie Lynn underscore YGT. You got this uh, is also a, a lot of my content. Those are my two main platforms right now. Okay, cool. Well, I'll make sure and have links to both the LinkedIn and the Instagram. So people can just click directly on that. And then, like I yeah. said, I'll have that link tree in there as well. Thank um, you. Stephanie, anything else you'd like to touch on this evening? You know, I just, I, I would, I like to leave people with, um, again, it actually kind of falls into play with how we kind of ended a minute ago with intuition. And I, I think it's important to let people know that they need to follow their heart 
and in anything and everything you do, listen to yourself, do what's best for you, and don't worry about the world, what the world is doing around you. I love it. Thank you so much, Stephanie. You're welcome. Thank you. Right. Burning planks of a bridge. Gear.
fabric of time Gravity squeeze released in a way Sail breach the other side that's all for the show today. Thank you so much again to Stephanie for sharing her walk of life. I also want to thank Misha Zarens for the music in today's show. And of course, thank you for listening. I also invite you to check out my other show, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is a video game podcast where we explore the idea of why gaming matters. Pick Up Your Sticks can be found on any podcast app. Thanks again for the listen. Have a great week. Stay up.